Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. I'm your guide today, Laura Bender. Uh, so today's special guest is Ashley Zuberi. She's the founder of Inhale Thrive, an organization dedicated to providing high-quality and affordable continuing education, connection, and mentorship opportunities for global yoga teacher community. Uh, she also writes extensively about yoga philosophy and the business of yoga, and as it's discussed on the podcast, she's actually working on her first book, which is an interpretation and teaching guide of the Yoga Sutra. So thanks again for listening to this episode, and we'll touch base on the other side. Hey, good afternoon, Ashley. How are you today? Great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks so much for being here. So we were kind of just talking a moment ago. Um, you know, before we start recording about the wonderful little voice that comes on, obviously, when we, when we start recording, I don't think I'll ever get used to that voice that's coming on every time we do use Zoom for this um, kind of thing. Um, but that's kind of how we connected as well, um, you know, with the online community with Yoga Alliance, um, it kind of brought us together. And um, so I thank you again for taking the time today. Um, so would you mind actually sharing a little bit about yourself and your journey with yoga? Yeah, well, I think it's funny that you mentioned, you know, what kind of brought us together was this online community. And then we come to find out that, like, you live in Ohio, yeah. and I grew yeah. up in Ohio, <laughs> and we were really just like very close to each other. Yeah, exactly. Proximity wise, but yeah, didn't know who, who each other were. So online has so much power and potential um, that we can embrace. Of course, it has its cons too. But there are so many great things about the the ability to come together in community in the online space. So um, I actually, as I mentioned, I grew up in uh, Northeast Ohio and suburban Cleveland, Ohio. And um, I guess that, that that's kind of an important detail in my story in the sense that, you know, <laughs> having, you know, lived in Ohio, you know, when I was growing up, yoga was not on my radar. I had no idea what yoga was. I right. never heard of it. People in Ohio don't, you know, it's not like the yoga capital of the world by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and so, you know, I, I loved growing up in Ohio. I'm very close with my family. I don't mind it, but um, I just had something, something inside of me that was calling me oh, to explore, I guess. And I was blessed and uh, had the opportunity to go away to college in Colorado and went to college um, at the University of Colorado at Boulder, which is a bit of a culture shock from, yeah. from where I grew up. And so that's being just in Boulder is really what introduced me to yoga. Um, because if you know anything about Boulder, Colorado, yoga is just like ubiquitous there. And um, I, I got into the practice of yoga from a physical perspective. I was interested in the physical aspect of it. Um, I never really liked running, which is also ubiquitous in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I played soccer in middle school. And when it came time to, you know, join the high school soccer team, I remember showing up for the um you know, the first meeting and the coach was talking about the summer conditioning program and said every morning you're going to run two or three miles or something oh like my. that. And that's not <laughs> even that much, but I was just like, 
nope, and walked out of the room. And I was like, I'm not playing soccer because I don't want to run two or three miles. And then I ended up playing golf, which requires no running whatsoever. There you go. Um, there you and go. So um, yoga worked for me from a physical perspective because it was low impact. It allowed me to feel really good. And I felt like I was still kind of getting that workout in, but in a way that worked well for my body. But also I was interested and attracted to yoga because while I was in college, I started suffering from some panic attacks and having a lot of anxiety. And I was looking for something to kind of help me work through all of that stuff that I was experiencing. Um, I was, was, am a very highly motivated, driven type A person and most highly motivated, driven type A people know (laughs) like what that feels like to kind of have that anxiety. and stress, we just, you know, I was constantly putting myself in positions where I was just always stressed. And for a long time, I thought that that was just normal. And that that was, you know, how you live life and how you get ahead. And that's what society tells us. And I could only keep up with that for so long. And so yoga really called to me, not only for the physical parts of it, but also for the mental, emotional parts of it as well. And so that's really how I started immersing myself in the practice. And then it really just kind of grew from there. And um, it, the practice of yoga just sucks you in. And here I am, you know, I never, I never imagined that I would ever become a yoga teacher. Um, That was never part of the plan. But when I was in yoga teacher training, I fell in love with teaching. And um, I was passionate about yoga and what it did for me and what I saw it do for me. And so I was called to teach it. And that's where I am today. That's an awesome story. I, I feel I can relate to it as well. Although I did like running at one point. I thought, I think I'm coming back to liking it a little bit more. Um, that when I, when I first came to yoga, that was my initial draw as well. I kind of was like, you know, I, that physical aspect of it and how I could incorporate it with other things I was doing at the time. And, um, running was my thing at the time. And, um, yeah. And during my teacher training, I actually ended up having a incident, probably actually the same week I was supposed to start the teacher training, I ended up breaking my toe and, um, that made a very interesting uh, teacher training <laughs> for sure for the last co- for the first couple months at least. So, um, kind of talking about um, going into your bio, kind of was diving into that, and um, and I think we actually talked about this a little bit beforehand. We were exchanging emails. Um, so you you integrate a lot of simplified like yoga philosophy into your classes and your training, and even into your like own lifestyle. So what kind of sparked this idea to kind of create that simplification to that? So something that I kind of realized very quickly um, in my yoga practice, like I said, I was attracted to it for both the physical and mental emotional pieces. But um, for the first couple of years, it was like that physical piece that really kind of drew me in. And around the time when I graduated from college, I was... Um, experiencing, well, obviously everybody who graduates from college, it's just a big transition time. And I was just talking about this with someone else. Um, I felt like that was the first time in my life when I had no structure and it was really scary for me because like for the first time ever come fall, I wasn't going back to school. So it's like, what do you do? Because for the last, you know, however many years of my life, 22 years of my life, I'd always 
you know, you have, you, you end school in May or whatever, and then you have summer break and then you start school again in the fall. And so that structure was just kind of like ingrained in me and to be staring down, like not having any structure at all. And at the time I had an internship, but no job lined up. I graduated from college in 2010. And so we were still kind of in the recession. It was really hard to get jobs at that time. It was just a really tough job market. And so again, because I was this overachieving high, you know, highly driven person, you know, somewhere along the line, I got it in my head that I would be a complete failure if upon graduation of college, I didn't have a job. And here I was feeling like a complete failure. (laughs) Um, But so, so I had a lot of, of that stress, that anxiety, those panic attacks happening as I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And, um, what I started noticing was that my yoga practice was helping me get through a lot of all of this stuff that was coming up within me, but it wasn't necessarily the physical practice that was doing all of that for me. And I, at the time I didn't, I had the idea that like yoga was helping me, but I, I didn't know what it was about yoga that was helping me um, do things that, you know, I was living kind of in a, a living situation with some roommates that just wasn't working out and was contributing to more stress. And I made the choice to um, just walk out and go find a place to live on my own. And that was a huge deal for me at the time. And I kind of, did a lot to try and immerse myself in new communities and make new friends and find ways to find support. And those were all things that um, I felt like my yoga practice was helping me find the courage to do. But again, it was subtle. It wasn't like downward facing dog or warrior twos were making me feel like motivated to do all of these other things in my life. And so I recognized that there was something more, something deeper to yoga. And um, I was an English major and a journalism major. So I've always been really interested in reading and I was doing some more reading into yoga philosophy. And that just is something I'm naturally um, attracted to. And so when I went into my teacher training, um, I was always very clear, you know, you hear a lot of people say they go into yoga teacher training just to deepen their practice. They have no intention of teaching. That was absolutely the case for me. And, um, I had no intention of teaching, but also I had no intention of ever wanting to be a fitness instructor. So even though I was going into a teacher training program that was very athletic, it was a power yoga program. That's the practice that I enjoyed. I never wanted to be, um, you know, a fitness instructor. I never wanted that. I had no interest in that. So from the very beginning, I was always interested in finding ways to integrate some of those softer aspects of yoga into the practice. And because of my interest with yoga philosophy, um, I found over time, as I became more confident and competent as a teacher, and as I dove into learning more and more about yoga philosophy, um, that that's what I really wanted to bring into the practice to help people find ways that they could integrate what yoga teaches us into their daily lives. And that's what I'm so passionate about. That's what's helped me more than anything else. And, um, of course it took some time because I had to 
understand and work with the philosophy in my own life first to see how it really worked before I could then translate it in a way that was relevant and accessible to the people that were coming to my classes. And the last thing I'll say is just that after about four or five years of teaching, I was getting bored. I was just getting bored teaching asana in the same ways over and over again. And I was looking for ways to spice things up. And that's when I really started to pull more philosophy in. And that's also when my teaching, I feel like really started to take off. So yeah, I love that. I, and I feel like eventually, well, at least for myself as well, and I'm kind of like, I'm a little over four years in my myself. And there are times where you just kind of feel stuck in the same routines and the same, and the same like asana practices and everything like that. And yeah, you want to add some kind of really intelligent like sequence or maybe a theme to it. And it's like, where do you pull that from? And I think sometimes this makes it this, what you're saying is making it more accessible to um, a lot of teachers. And I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, And an answer to that question, like, where do you pull that from in terms of if you're looking to theme a class, for me, it was really important that I pulled those themes from the philosophy itself, because that was also my way of honoring and appreciating yoga and where it comes from. I wasn't just, you know, it's totally fine to like find some quote or poem or whatever it is that you're reading that is really interesting to you and bring that into class. But for me, like, again, because I don't consider myself a fitness instructor, I consider myself an educator and a teacher, and I want to teach people about yoga, it only makes sense that you go back to the actual texts Mm -hmm. and pull that philosophy into the classes and teach that. And so once I started going to the texts for inspiration, it's a deep well, and there's no way that I'm ever going to like run out of things to say or teach because there's so much there. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, kind of going into the next question, you know, you're actually in the process of writing a book, um, which is described kind of as a a modic thematic interpretation of um, teaching guide of the yoga sutra, which is obviously something that's obviously part of our teacher trainings. So how are you applying this, these sutras? Um, Or maybe there's, there's one that you actually resonate with the most kind of like to your life off the mat. Yeah. So the way that I've kind of approached the sutra and the way that I teach it in my classes when I started experimenting with bringing this philosophy into the classes, you know, I was teaching just a general population of people. They were coming for their asana practice. They didn't care about yoga philosophy. They weren't there to learn all of this deep stuff. They just wanted their, their asana practice. And I found ways to integrate it by using this idea of what I call principles. And so I essentially went through the yoga sutra. I read each sutra And I tried to not only understand it for myself, apply it in my own life, but also kind of figure out what is like the one overarching principle or idea or concept here that this particular sutra is really getting at. And is there a way for me to then use that one word or short phrase as a way to introduce that concept to the students without necessarily having to sit there and read through the sutra and have them go through the more esoteric language and stuff like that. So for example, um, the easiest thing that I always use as, as a great example is this idea of the principle of presence. When I say the word presence, everybody knows what that means. Most people are on board under, in understanding that like we, should, we can all cultivate more presence and benefit from that in our lives. 
And so when you read the Yoga Sutra, to me, the principle of presence is embodied by the very first sutra. Now the teaching of yoga begins, or now yoga begins, and you've got that Sanskrit word atha, which is often translated to now. It's just, can you be in the present moment? Um, and so I personally always go back and read the source text and, and add in a little bit more of the philosophical flourish because that's what I enjoy. But at the end of the day, the takeaway is, you know, um, I just want to teach you to be aware and be mindful. And can you be more present in your practice on the mat? And can you be more present in your life um, throughout your day? And if so, like, there's so much power in that. There's so much simplicity in that. And so that lesson really has the potential to be majorly beneficial to anyone coming to a yoga class. Um, so I went through the sutra and I tried to find ways to pull out principles like that pres presence, focus, simplicity, uh, patience, you know, all these things that we, we know there's nothing new, right? Yeah. We know these things, but um, it's just these reminders. And then we can say, you know, and this was written thousands of years ago and it's still relevant today, which means it must be true. Like there's something yeah. here, but what I've been um, really playing with most recently in my life um, is Pratipaksha Bhavana, this idea that um, you kind of, what I've been noticing in my own life is some fears and uncertainties. We were talking before we started recording, I'm 34 weeks pregnant right now. And this is my second child. And I've noticed in myself, a lot of fears and doubts come up around this birth. Um, and in dealing with that, I've kind of come back to this idea of this Pratipaksha Bhavana, where as I'm noticing all of these fears and doubts and uncertainties come up, I'm trying to switch that and think like, well, what about the opposite? You know, instead of, instead of getting caught up in everything that could go wrong, what am, what if I focused instead on all of the wonderful things um, and the positive pieces and everything that is going right? And again, presence, what's happening right now? Um, and by doing that, that helps me to consider new possibilities and new ways of approaching how I'm treating myself and, and my family and my other, you know, responsibilities throughout this pregnancy. And so um, there's many different ways that Pratipaksha Bhavana is interpreted. But for me, it's about, you know, if you find yourself noticing that you're going down the road towards these negative thought patterns, pause, take a moment to just understand, like, and acknowledge what those thought patterns are and what's coming up. And then also take some time to think about like, what if that wasn't true and what other possibilities or potential could be here that I'm not seeing? And can I spend more time cultivating that to move forward in a, in a positive way and a more helpful way than worrying and, and being held back by the negative thought patterns and cycles that are not necessarily helping me um, to get any closer to my goals. So again, something to me that is really practical, pretty simple, not easy, but, yeah. um, but you know, this, this process, which is kind of more of a mental process and you can do it sitting, contemplating, walking or journaling Mm -hmm. um, is to me kind of a prerequisite for working with the yamas and the niyamas as well. Um, 
And it's also positioned kind of right in the beginning of the yamas and niyamas section in the sutra. So um, in strengthening that muscle of trying to be more aware of the thought patterns that I am harboring in myself and then more conscious and intentional of the thought patterns that I want to be moving forward with, that sets you up nicely for being able to cultivate the yamas and the niyamas in a more intentional way. Yeah. And I feel like that's a very common, having those doubts and fears and everything is is very common. And especially since, you know, over the last year, a lot of uncertainty. Um, at that yeah. Week. I mean, it's all human nature. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So just kind of dealing with all that. So kind of circling back and leading up to the last question I have for you is, so what do you feel that was your most valuable lesson in 2020? I loved this question. Um, and I, I really kind of had to stop and think. Um, and what came up for me was that kind of in the same vein, talking about this idea of Pratipaksha Bhavana, I think in the mainstream, you see there's so much bias towards negativity. Um, and you know, as a journalism major, I know and understand that. Like, that's just, that's what people, you know, unfortunately, the way the brain is wired, like we just are wired towards that negative stuff. And so journalists know that. And that's why all of the things that you see on the news is always the negative stuff, because they know that that's what we'll pay attention to. And it seems so backwards. Um, but but what I've seen is a lot of people saying things throughout the pandemic about how much, how awful it's been and all of the horrible things and everything that's been lost and all of the grief and all of the negative. And sure, there are the people out there saying like, but think about the positive and what are the good things that have come out of this? And I'm certainly in that camp because I think that there are mm-hmm. so many opportunities and potential and possibilities that have arisen from the pandemic, but I think what it gave us more than anything else was this really, really um, rare opportunity um, of space and time. And what I mean by that is that in the pandemic, depending on your circumstance, um, there was the opportunity to really pause for a lot of people, but not only was it an opportunity to pause, it was collective. No one else or almost no one else in the world was doing anything. So we didn't have to be worried that we were missing out. You know, that was no longer an excuse. I don't have time to pause. I don't have time to do all of these things because there's a million other things going on and I don't want to miss anything. And, you know, no one was missing anything. We were all stuck at home. And so if you took that opportunity to pause, it was this beautiful space in which we could, and we still can, um, take advantage of using that to move into more space, stillness and silence and really figure out who we are and what we like and what works in our lives and what our values are. And we're now in this moment of transition where we're starting to emerge, we're starting to move back into the world. And this is going to be a real test, I think, for people if you took the time to really sit with yourself and find who you are and decide what mattered most to you, as the whole world starts to go back, 
are you going to be able to hold true to that? Are you going to be able to put up those boundaries that you need to put up that maybe you wouldn't have before? And are you going to move forward in your life in a different way intentionally and consciously, despite the fact that everybody else around you might be going back to the way things were? Um, I, I think there's a huge opportunity for us to really, again, not have that excuse of, well, everybody else is out there doing things, so I need to be out there doing things too. This is the moment that we have to like really say, I had the opportunity to find what really worked for me and now I'm going to keep doing that. And, and to me, that's alignment. That's this principle of alignment. Are we aligning to what our own values are? And that's yoga. Um, and so it will be interesting to see what happens as everybody starts to come back into the world. Are we going to go back to quote normal um, are, are people going to be emboldened to really hold true to their boundaries and stay true to who they are and what they learned about themselves? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, yeah, I guess only time will tell. <laughs> only <laughs> time will tell. Does. Yes, as it always does. Well, I really appreciate your time today, um, Ashley. And uh, so have a great rest of your day and rest of your afternoon and best wishes to your um, growing family as well. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ashley. So don't forget to share, review, and subscribe. Be well, my friends.